Well, good morning. Oh, that sounded great. <laughs> and merry day after Christmas to everyone. We are so happy that you're with us this morning. Uh, I know a few people are probably still at home, but we hope you're watching us uh, live on Facebook if you are. Uh, if you're new to church, we want to uh, say welcome to you as well. Um, we have a communication card. You can find that in the pew pocket in front of you, or you can also find that communication card online. We really uh, like to stay in touch with our members, especially if you have a prayer request, an illness, a hospitalization, or something like that in your family. So please take advantage of that uh, communication card. Uh, just jot down on that card uh, what kind of prayer request you have, uh, maybe a praise request or, or anything of that nature. Fill it out drop it in the offering later in the service and someone from the church office will get in touch with you if you're doing that online just uh, hit submit and again it will come to the church office and someone will uh, also get in touch with you uh, since this is the day after christmas we are not having children's church this morning which is the alley or wonderland so this is what we call a worship together weekend uh, this is a time that our children can come to church and uh, join the adults in the worship time. Just want to call your attention again that uh, since November the 3rd, we have had an, an adults co-ed Bible study on Wednesday evenings. Pastor John has been doing this. Um, we are studying the book of Acts. So we want to encourage and invite anyone that has not been participating in this to join us on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You'll have a great time of fellowship and a great time of study. Uh, those of us that are doing it have really enjoyed the time that we have had together. So please, if you're looking for something to do on Wednesday evenings, come out and join uh, our Book of Acts study at 6.30. Let me call your attention to things that you might find in your worship bulletin this morning. Uh, in reference to end-of-year giving, please note uh, that you can continue giving uh, in person today, of course. And then also online, um, but you must have your end of the year giving um, in by the 31st. Uh, so it must be postmarked. If you're going to mail it in, it must be postmarked by December 31st in order to get credit for it on this year's uh, giving. So just please make note of that. And if you're uh, trying to do an end of the year catch up giving, uh, also please note that we will be doing. Uh, an end of year catch up later this week. Also, notice in your worship guide, we have a weekly email update that goes out to our members and attenders. Uh, some of you are on that list, others are not. If you would like to get on that weekly email uh, mailing list and have that sent to you by email, you can simply send me an email at don at highlandhills.org and say, I would like to get on that mailing list. Or you can use the communication card uh, that's in the pew pocket for that. Simply write me a note, drop it in the offering plate today and say, I would like to get the weekly email update. You can also go to the website um, and sign up for that weekly update. But in there, we send you uh, an update of things that are happening in our church each week. So that is a way of communication. Also, and lastly, offering envelopes. Those are in the pew pockets in front of you. Please, if you are giving uh, offering in cash, uh, use those envelopes and make sure that you put your name on them at least. You don't have to write the amount on the front because when Chick and I count the offering on Mondays, we will make sure that uh, your name and your amount gets applied uh, to your account and you get credit for it. But please, at least when you give, put your name on the envelope so that we know who the uh, giving is coming from. A lot of times we'll find a $20 bill in an envelope and it has no name on it whatsoever. So that's fine. God, God loves the giving. Um, but if you would like to receive credit for it, we need to know who it's coming from. So at this time, that's all the announcements that I have, and I will turn everything over to Kathy and our worship team. Good morning. If you would stand with us this morning, 
Uh, there are a couple of us doing some double duties, so I'm going to uh, give Don just a minute to get back to our slides so that you can see the lyrics uh, as you're worshiping with us. If you are tuning in online, we're honored that you've chosen to worship with us. Um, this morning, we will not have the lyrics for you, um, but they're songs that we've been singing all um, month long, so hopefully if you've tuned in, you will have learned those already. So with that, um, if you would just join with us as we sing this morning, uh, we just invite you to sing along, clap along, um, you know, worship however you, you feel, feel comfortable in doing so today. In the bleak midwinter, all creation grows for a world in darkness frozen like a stone light is breaking in a stable for a throne and he shall reign forevermore forevermore and he shall reign forevermore forevermore unto us a child is born the king of kings and lord of lords and he shall reign forevermore forevermore if i were man I would travel far and if I were a shepherd I would do my part but poor as I am I will give to him my heart and he shall reign forevermore forevermore and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Here within a manger lies the one who made the starry skies this baby born for sacrifice christ the messiah into our hopes into our fears the savior of the lord appears the promise of eternal years christ the messiah and he
He will ransom his own. With clouds he will lead us straight into glory. And there he shall reign forevermore. Forevermore. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah for the things he has done. Come and adore him. Bow down before him. transition uh, to our offertory time before Pastor John comes and gives us our message. Um, we do have baskets on either side of the um, stage here, so if you do have an offering to give, please feel free to bring that up. Let's just go ahead and pray over our service this morning. Father God, we just are, are so grateful for this incredible gift of, of your son, God, that you sent um, to us this Christmas holiday, and God, we just ask that you never let us... Um, lose sight of that gift, God, as we as we get into the crazy hustle and bustle of the holidays and the new year, we just we just ask that you keep our eyes focused on that. God, we just ask that you bless John's message this morning. Use him um, to, to meet whatever message you have intended for each one of us today. Amen. Good morning. If you have your Bible with you, if you want to go ahead and find the second chapter of Matthew's Gospel, we'll be in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Um, believe it or not, Christmas, it's, it's over. It's come, it's gone. Um, your tree, I'm sure it's still up. Um, it probably looks a little empty underneath now. Um, there may be some leftovers in your fridge. Um, they might not last much longer. Uh, the family members who you only see once a year, they may have gone back home, not to be seen again to another year. All the excitement that has been building in the weeks leading to Christmas, they're finally over. Uh, life is going back to normal or as normal as it can be for most of us. Um, many of us are already suffering from that post-Christmas blues, a kind of depression after all that anticipation, after all that waiting and all that buildup for the big day. Have you ever noticed how life doesn't always turn out the way we plan it? Uh, we'll look at our lives, we'll make our plans, uh, we chart the course that we want our lives to take, and there are times, well, the truth is, life just doesn't play fair. I, I mean, I made plans for the future when I was younger. Did anybody else? I mean, we had plans. I mean, first I thought I'll be a lawyer, thought I'd be respectable, and then I found out they're not that respectable. I thought I'm going to be a rock star, but, well, that didn't work out either. Uh, I thought I would write a best-selling book. Um, I was going to change the world. And the next thing you know, <laughs> the next thing you know, you find yourself at a meaningless, monotonous job in a pointless career where, where your only hope is making it to the point where you can retire someday and hopefully just sit back, relax, and, and just coast out life. 
There are those times when life just refuses to follow our plans. There are times that life just, there's nothing more than a series of shattered and broken dreams. Uh, but I want you to know, the truth is that's just how it appears. That's not the way it really is. One of the lessons that presents itself in our passage for this morning, it's the truth that life is really a divine adventure. Uh, The story of the wise men, of the Magi, it teaches us the profound truth that God's hand is always on the wheel steering our lives. And that's not just some cute or clever saying. It is the clear truth from God's word. David writes in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. God sets our steps. Now, the men in our passage, the men mentioned in our passage, have become known today as the wise men who would spend about two years following a star. That's made clear by verses 7 and 16. And we normally say that there's three of them. But that's just an assumption we make based on the number of gifts. Uh, It could have been three, it could have been 50. All we know for fact is that it was more than one. But in order to follow this star, these men, they had left their homes. They left their families. They left their professions behind. They had left their home country and were living on the road as pilgrims. And along the way, as these men were going, they faced perils, they faced obstacles, hardships, and deprivations. And their path even led them to the presence of evil King Herod. But when they finally arrived at their destination... They found that the star that they had been following had stopped over a humble little house. And no doubt these men had probably dreamed of finding the king of the Jews in some fancy palace. They probably explains why they went to see King Herod first. They expected luxury. They expected all the trappings of royalty. They expected him to at least be in some nice house. And what they found certainly didn't match their expectations. They found the king of kings. They found him living in a peasant's house. The house they found that night was probably nothing more than we would think of as a shack today. And no doubt, all of their lofty dreams shattered before them and crumbled at their feet like so much dust. And yet, amid all the rubble of their torn and twisted dreams, these wise men, these magi, they encountered something, something in that humble setting that changed their very lives. And that's because sometimes life has a way of shattering our dreams and destroying all of our hopes and all of our plans. And this morning, what I want us to see, what I want us to learn is how these wise men responded when they were following a star, but found a shack in its place. So let's pray, and we'll read our text for this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, for this opportunity for us to gather together as your people, to spend time in worship, and just hearing the truth found in your word. And Lord, I pray that, that we feel your presence among us, that you open our hearts and our minds, and allow us to be receptive to your word so that we can come closer to you and find more fulfillment and hope than we'll find in anything in this world. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. So Matthew chapter 2, starting in the first verse, our text reads, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and Jew, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, what I want us to look at this morning, there are three characteristics. There are three characteristics displayed by the wise men that can help us when life refuses to play by our rules. And the first is, wise men see God in the shacks of life. Wise men see God in the shacks of life. Now, now, put yourself in their place. The setting, it was nothing like they had imagined, but they had traveled all this way to worship the Messiah and well, they did. They worshipped him. When these powerful, wealthy, educated, worldly wise men, when they came into this house, when they entered into this home, they were expecting to see a king. And what they saw was a small child. And still, they humbled themselves. They bowed down before this child living in a shack. Those men saw something that others around them had failed to see. Those men, they saw God in that shack. And when those men looked at that child, that child named Jesus, what they saw was God himself. See, you need to understand the truth that sometimes your star, it is going to lead you to a shack. When, when life, when it shatters your dreams... Your first order of business should be finding the Lord, not running from Him. Because if, you're, if you do belong to Him, if you are His, then nothing will happen in your life that He has not allowed to happen. And when it does, and trust me, it will happen, when you're starved, when it leads you to a shack, remember that God is doing one of three things. There's one of three things that God is doing. First, He might be providing correction. He might be providing correction. There's, there are times when we find ourselves in the shacks of life, and it's just the result of our own sins. We're getting what we deserve. We fail, and there is a price that has to be paid. And when we're in that condition, sometimes He'll send that storm of correction into our life. He will use those times to teach us discipline and obedience. And it's not because he's angry. It's not because he's displeased with us. It's because of his abundant love for us that he shows correction. He might also be providing us instruction. He might be providing instruction. There are times when God will allow us to go in those shack times of life, those shack situations, because he's trying to reveal himself to us in a new and amazing way. And no matter how things may look to us at that time, God controls all the circumstances of our life. Remember what Romans 8.28 says. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things. Think of that, that, that word there, all. All things. All things work together for good. That means the good times, the bad times, the in-between times, all of those times work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And God will use various teaching tools to help us grow. In one chapter alone, He used three separate classrooms to teach His disciples. Think in John chapter 6, He used hunger. He fed 5,000 people. He used storms when he walked on the water during a storm, and then he used fear because his disciples were terrified when they saw him. God has many more tools that he can use to teach us. He'll use loneliness. He'll use weakness. He'll use grief. He'll use loss. He'll use suffering. He'll use pain. He'll use emotional hurts, persecution, anger, and a thousand other things to train us as his children. Think of the Israelites and all the trials they faced from the, they were threats from the Egyptians, uh, they had to face the Red Sea, they got thirsty, they were hungry, there were invaders, there were enemies, and they survived it all. They survived through all of it. 
And if they had never faced those things, if they had not faced all those difficulties, they would have never known the truth that God could see them through all of it. He did the same thing with the disciples, and He's going to do the same thing with us. He sends us into the shacks of life to teach us that He is all-sufficient, that He is all-powerful, and He is the all-knowing, sovereign God. In John chapter 4, the men of Samaria, they didn't just believe because of the testimony of the woman that Jesus spoke to at the well. They believed because they experienced that truth themselves. Think of all the lessons that God has used in your life to teach you and to grow you during those times of difficulties, of disappointment and pain. The last thing he might be doing is trying to provide perfection in our lives. He might be trying to provide perfection. Today, God might be in the process of molding you and reshaping you into his image to becoming more perfect like his son. And God desires that every one of his children be a vessel that he can use. And he's chosen you. He's chosen you to be a vessel. And he's constantly in the process of getting you ready, ready for greater and greater service. Think about Moses. Think of Moses for a minute. He, he couldn't ever have led the Israelites until he had first led and tended those sheep in the desert. I've heard somebody say that those things, what doesn't kill you can only make you stronger. And there is a lot of truth in that statement. Because God will use all those hurts He'll use those setbacks, he'll use those disappointments, and he will use all those things that happen in life to help develop us. He wants us to be the servants that he wants us to be. And I can tell you for a fact that my faith, my personal faith, it's deeper, and that my determination is stronger than ever because of the valleys and the difficulties that God has led me through in my own life. When your star, when it leads you to a shack, look for God. Look for Him, because He will be there, because He is there. And when you find Him, you'll find purpose in your predicament. Wise men see God in the shacks of life. And next, wise men give gifts in the shacks of life. Wise men give gifts in the shacks of life. Think of this for a minute. It would have been so easy for these wise men to just turn around, pack up everything, and head back home. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, we must have made a wrong turn. Sorry we're at the wrong house. Sorry we bothered you. We, we must have made some kind of mistake. We'll be gone. Who'd blame them? I wouldn't. Things had not turned out how they planned them. They had gone on this long, arduous journey to find a king living in some fancy palace, and they find this young child living in a shack. But they didn't turn around. They gave to the child. They gave to Jesus the worship that was rightfully his. And I want to spend a minute just kind of unwrapping the gifts that they gave him and how necessary they were. First, they gave him gold. Give him gold. And the gold, it reminds us that Jesus, that he's our king. In some countries, no one could even approach the king without a gift. And gold is a gift that could be presented to a king because it was the most precious and most valuable metal at the time. And these men had come in search of the king of Jews. I mean, what, 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 what do you do when you, when you come in and somebody's got a little baby? What do you want to do? You want to pick them up? You want to cuddle them? Hug on them? Tell them how cute they are? But when these men, when they found this child, they didn't cuddle him. They didn't play games with him. These wise men bowed down and worshipped because they recognized the truth that this child in front of them, he was the king. They knew he was the king of kings and that he is the Lord of lords. They understood that this small child deserved their submission. And the question for us then is, are we ready to offer him the submission that's due him? They brought him gold. And they also brought frankincense. They brought frankincense. And the frankincense, it shows that Jesus 
that he is our high priest. A frankincense is a substance that comes from making certain cuts of wood in a certain kind of tree. It has a sweet kind of smell. Uh, and it was used to make incense for worship at the temple. In that incense, it was offered to God. It was a fragrance that would rise up to God. And Exodus 30 even tells us the incense is for God, not for the people. And in Ezekiel 16, verse 8, chapter 16, verse 18, God says, it's my incense. Bringing Jesus as a child frankincense reminds us that he is God. So they brought gold, they brought frankincense, and they brought myrrh. They brought myrrh. And that myrrh, it reminds us at the end of the day that Jesus is our sacrifice. Now, myrrh comes from a tiny tree in Arabia. It's used to make a really nice, expensive perfume. In Esther chapter 2, when Esther, when she was getting all beautified um, for six months, because it took six months, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. It took her six months to get all beautified for, 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 to go before the king. And she, the text tells us she used myrrh to smell nice. Uh, myrrh was also used to help prepare a body for burial. Tells us Jesus that he was our sacrifice. And that child was born into this world only to give his life on a Roman cross. That myrrh, it reminds us that he was also a man. And when your star, when it leads you to a shack, that is the time to start giving back to the Lord. Because when most people, when they find themselves in those shack times of life, they start holding on to tightly to what they have. And that's the wrong response. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not just talking about your money. It's important that we give our treasures for the work of the Lord, but it's just as important that, that we give of our time and we give of our talents. We're meant to give Him all things. We're meant to give Him all the things that He deserves because, well, who He is and what He's done for us. And these wise men, they received far back, back far more than they could have gave away because that's the way it always is with God. No one can ever outgive Him. And not many people try to, but those who do will find His supply to be overabundant. The surest way for us to get a blessing is to be a blessing. So when you find yourself in a time of mystery, of hardship, pain, when it seems like you, you've gone so far off course that there is no way to turn back, when you went looking for a palace and you find yourself in some shack, the last thing you need to do is to turn in on yourself. But that's what most people do, isn't it? People, when they've hit those hard times, they become self-centered, and, and they do everything they can to insulate themselves and protect themselves from any further pain and loss. But the proper response to the curveballs of life is not to turn in. It's to turn out. It's to look for ways to give back to the Lord to give back to the one who's given us everything. And even when your star, when it leads to a shack, it doesn't signal the end of God's blessing in your life. It signals, what it does signal is the opportunity for your service. God may have brought you to that low place so that he can display his grace through you and get glory from you as you continue to faithfully serve him, even in those times of disappointment. Wise men, they see God in the shacks of life. Wise men give gifts in the shacks of life. And the last one is, wise men find grace in the shacks of life. Wise men find grace in the shacks of life. When you think about what happened, these wise men, they experienced grace when they were in the presence of Christ. God saved them and redirected their lives. He led them down a different path than the one that they were on. Grace, grace led them away from certain death at the hands of King Herod. They found grace in that shack. And when our star, when it leads us to those places, we can expect to find God's grace in our greatest hour of need. And I, I want to... 
I want you to face a very specific truth. Life, life isn't always fair. You probably know that. Life isn't always fair. Life doesn't always turn out the way we think it should. But even when life lets us down, you need to remember that God never will. And you can be sure of that. When our star went at least to a shack, we can be sure that God will provide grace sufficient for the setback that we're experiencing. When the Apostle Paul, when he was suffering from a thorn in his flesh and prayed repeatedly, take this thorn away from me, do you know how God responded? 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. For my power is made perfect in weakness. His grace is more than enough to get you through the shacks of life. His grace is more than enough to get you through whatever life is going to throw your way. Because if you're surrendered to His leadership, if you're surrendered to His guidance, you can trust Him to reveal the next step and the next step and the next step that we need to take. And He will always guide us in His perfect path, day by day and step by step. See, as God's children, as, as His people, we're never alone, and we are never without His direction. And He is always going to make a way for us and support us through all the shacks of life. So, let me ask, have you been following a star, expecting to arrive at a fine palace, and if instead you found yourself in a shack, surrounded by all the debris of your shattered dreams and hopes. Maybe today you're there right now. And if you are, I want you to know the truth that God is at work in your shack today. He has a plan, and He is concerned about your needs. Why don't you just do what the wise men did? Fall down before Him. Worship. Keep on giving to Him and to others, even when it seems like all your resources are gone. Just keep holding on to His hand, leaning on His grace, and walking the path that He sets before you. Because that's what wise people do when they find themselves in the shacks of life. This morning, maybe you are in one of those places where life hasn't turned out the way you expected. Maybe today you're hurting. Maybe this Christmas it just reminds you of that. God is working in that situation. God is active in that situation. God gives us hope when we face those difficult times. God has something bigger planned for us, even when we face these times when we think that there is no way around this. The story of the wise men tells me that there is hope, that we have a future, that God is always concerned and always cares whenever we find ourselves in those difficult places. Today, as the worship team comes, I'm going to invite you. Maybe you don't know Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you do not know the Christ of Christmas, that child who was born in the lowliest of circumstances, who lived, who grew, who lived as perfect and sinless life. That child who grew into a man who died a horrible death on a Roman cross, who was buried, and on that third day raised back to life. Maybe you don't know him today, but you need to, because the child of Christmas is the hope of the world. Romans 10.9 tells us if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord that's not right if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved it's an act of submission it's an act of surrender and it's an act of obedience that shack you're in you don't have to stay there 
because God has plans for you. And if you do know him today and you still struggle with those difficulties, trust him. Rely on him. Allow him to guide you and lead you through life. Just trust that he's got something bigger in store than what you're facing today. Maybe you need to come to these steps and just leave some of that baggage and say, Lord, I'm I'm here at the end of my rope. I'm in a shack and I don't know how to get out of here. Leave it with him and trust that he'll work in that situation. I'm going to pray and I encourage you don't leave here without knowing the hope of Christmas, not knowing the truth of who Jesus is. Leave here knowing that our future is bright. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for what you did that very first Christmas, sending your son into the world, stepping into human history, and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Father, thank you for just the hope that we have, the truth that we find in your word, and knowing that as long as you're in our life, as long as we're surrendered to your son, Jesus, that no matter how bad things get here, what's in store for us is so much better. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for, for, for the, the fact that we can be saved. And Lord, just be with us as we close out this year, leading into a new one, and for all the amazing things that you have planned and that you may do in our lives in this church. Help us be surrendered to you. And help us be a light, a city on a hill, sharing the gospel with a world that is in so desperate need of it right now. Lord, we love you and thank you for your son. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. If you would stand with us. for not standing um, another week and a half and I'm allowed to so I'm excited about that uh, thank you for being here the very last Sunday of this year I'm excited for what God has in store for the new year I hope that you will make it a point and, and just part of your routine to spend Sunday mornings in worship um, whether that's here or somewhere else 
make a point in gathering with God's people. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, do not abandon, don't forsake meeting together as some have gotten in the habit of doing. It's important to gather together with other believers in worship. Uh, if you're interested, Wednesday nights at 6.30, we're doing a Bible study in the book of Acts. It's fun. Um, you can come. You can bring snacks. It's not very formal. You can ask questions. A lot of fun if you want to learn a little bit more about God's Word. Um, next Sunday, we're going to start off the new year by learning how not to make the mistakes of the past. So if you're anything like me, you need to be here. <laughs> so other than that, I guess... Can, can I get a volunteer to dismiss us in prayer, maybe? Cliff, would you mind doing it? Thank you. So you'd rather have a secret than that? Yeah, if it's just the acoustic, it's yeah. just a single one for the piano. Yeah. It's just a acoustic one. Got them on my knees again. Got them begging, please again. I need you. Oh. 
my broken heart keep bringing me back to you again sometimes I fall apart but you're always there just like a friend just like a Place I 